Today's lesson is written in Acts chapter 2. They, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. It's so cold. How cold is it? It's so cold, I saw Frosty the Snowman boarding an airplane headed to Florida just to get away from the cold. We are in a series, the fourth and final part of a four-part series, that makes it the last one, called Family First. And we have been talking about the gift of family. Then we talked about the gift of marriage. Last week I talked about the gift of siblings. Gift of siblings? Seems like an oxymoron. Uh, and then this week we're going to talk about the gift of Christian community. Any of these, if you missed any of those, are available online. You just go to our website and you can go to media and then sermons and uh, you can find those as well as other messages there. Christian community, the gift of Christian community. Why is this in a series called Family First? Well, the Christian community, the congregation, the church, resembles in many ways the family. We, we do life together. We experience life together. We're there to, to support one another. We're there at the good times and the bad times. We know each other, maybe sometimes a little too well. And much like in our nuclear families, we may get frustrated with one another. We see the best and we see the worst often in each other. And we put up with the quirks and the idiosyncrasies. And while we may not always like each other or what another person does, we are called to always love one another. Now some people can get tripped up thinking that the Christian community has to be a certain way, reach a certain ideal, right? I mean, after all, it is, it's a community that's based in God's word and that's supposed to be sharing God's love. And shouldn't it be better than what we sometimes experience it as? While the church does and should operate by divine calling to be community together, this by no means means that it's perfect. Rather, the church is the place where imperfect people gather together in community, surrounded by God's grace.
grace founded on God's love and mercy as that is shown to us by Jesus on the cross. We began our worship. We, always, we often begin our worship by admitting that we are imperfect people. We admit all the ways that we mess up. We admitted today the ways we fall short of being that ideal Christian community. And so we come around together acknowledging that, trying to be real with one another, trying to be genuine. The German pastor, theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who found himself in his Christian community living and being in the time and the place of the Nazi regime has a lot to teach us about what it means to live and to walk as a Christian in this world and to be Christian community in this world as well. In his book, Life Together, Bonhoeffer writes about that uh, Christian community which some people desire and which rises up out of what he calls a wish dream. Bonhoeffer writes, By sheer grace, God will not permit us to live even for a brief period of time in a dream world. Only that fellowship which faces such disillusionment, all its unhappy and ugly aspects, begins to be what it should be in God's sight, begins to grasp in faith the promise that God has given it. Bonhoeffer goes on to say, every human wish dream that is injected into the Christian community is a hindrance to genuine community. In other words, at the very moment that we think that this community should reach some ideal, we miss the opportunity for it to be genuine, for it to be real. Sometimes people will read Acts 2, this passage that we just heard from Acts 2, uh, 42 to 47, as a description of the ideal community. And while it beautifully states some of the characteristics of that early church, it does not reveal in any way an ideal community. I mean, all you have to do is keep reading. Keep reading the book of Acts to find out. And then go on to Romans and Corinthians and the other epistles of, of Paul and the other books that are there in the New Testament. And you find a community that is fraught with all sorts of problems. But through that, they're figuring out what does it mean for us to be forgiven and to live in grace and love with one another as community. Well, what is the picture that we have there in Acts 2? And what does it paint for us? Is it still relevant today? Or is it just a descriptor of what the church was like in that early time? Or does it have something to say to us today? Well, if you've got your Bible still there uh, with you, I invite you to, to join me in Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42. That's page 884 if you have one of those worship Bibles. Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' 
teaching. They, being the uh, other followers there in the early church, devoted themselves, gave themselves to the apostles' teaching, the apostles being the disciples. Well, what were the disciples teaching? Well, the disciples had been hanging out with Jesus for a while, right? And Jesus had been teaching them. They'd been with him for three years. He had taught them. He had shared with them. He had uh, guided them. He had shown them not only through his words, but through his actions, what the kingdom of God looks like. and What God's desire for them looks like. What it means to live within that. And so they taught from that. They shared that. They taught from what Jesus taught. They shared what he taught with others. But they also shared the stories of what he had done. Of the healings, of, of the miraculous things that he had done. Of the good news that was brought to the poor. How do we know that? We've got it right here. We've got the disciples teaching. We've got the early church's teaching right here in the scriptures. And so that's why we teach from the scriptures. That's why we teach from the Bible, because we are teaching from what the apostles taught and then what Jesus taught them, what Jesus did. We do this through our worship, but we also do it in, in other ways. We do it in our kids' programs. Uh, every, like, four weeks or so, the kids connect Kids go through a rotation of a story from Scripture, and they learn it through different activities, the same story. And so by the end of those three, four weeks, those kids know that story inside and out. And they're actually able to tell the story in their own words back to their teachers and to their parents. And so it's becoming kind of ingrained in them. At our uh, youth programs, H2H and AY High, we teach from the scriptures. We teach from the apostles' teaching, which is Jesus' teaching. Here uh, Amber is. Uh, she gathered together the, all the H2H kids around. This is right before Christmas. And she does this every year where she'll read the Christmas story to them from the Gospel of Luke. But it's not just this time of the year, but every week, weekend, week out, we're opening up the Bible and we're looking at what, what did Jesus say? What does God's word say for us? What are the apostles teaching for us? It says they devoted themselves to fellowship. Fellowship. That's a churchy word, isn't it? How many of you grew up with a fellowship hall if you grew up in a church, right? Yeah, fellowship hall. That's where we gather together, right? That's where the parties are. That's where the food is. That's where uh, all of those different events can happen. Um, we've got a fellowship hall. It's just called the Community Life Center. Uh, but fellowship, that's a really churchy word. You get together with friends or family. You don't say, call up your friend and say, hey, how about let's get together for some fellowship. Right? You just don't do that. Maybe if they're your church friends, because they get what you're saying. It's a really churchy word. But it's a churchy word for just being together. Spending time with one another. That's such an important part of being in community together. Just hanging out. Being, being together in a way that's different 
from when you're maybe just sitting in chairs, taking stuff in or talking with one another. I mean, I've seen this in our youth programs that sometimes kids will just kind of sit back, but you go and you do something like outside of the walls of this church, and you do something maybe fun, and then you get to know that, that child, that youth, that young person in a different way. And it opens them up. And that leads to possibilities for deeper relationships. The women uh, are on retreat. Some of them are still there. Uh, it was yesterday, the, many of the women of our church. And uh, they look forward to this weekend. And I don't know what goes on there, but it's kind of they got that Las Vegas thing, like what happens at the women's retreat stays at the women's retreat. I don't think I want to know. But they look forward to this every year. And they have an awesome time of just being together. Now they're digging into the word. They're digging into some sort of study. They're learning things together. They're growing together. But they're also just spending time with one another. Next weekend, our middle schoolers are going on retreat. In the fall, our high schoolers went on retreat. We had those kinds of events where they... Uh, spend this time together doing activities, playing games, but also continuing to learn and to grow together, but in a different setting. In a couple weeks, we're going to have Little Blessings Weekend. We'll have a carnival going on here. I don't think there's clowns and jugglers, but there's going to be games and activities and food. As always, you feed them and they will come. And that's a great opportunity to maybe meet some people you don't know. I encourage you to stay around and experience that. Whether you have little kids or not, but a great chance to interact with our little blessings parents that walk through these doors uh, several times a week. Just let them know who you are and welcome them. We have fun together. A couple weeks ago, I did a children's chapel where I was talking about the creation story. And I came out and I was looking for wild animals. You know, crikeys, there might be one right back there. And I was having the kids help me to find those animals. And then towards the end of that sketch, as we were learning about the wonderful creation that God has made, out came a full-fledged, not real, but live donkey. In that donkey costume that we have, that we've sometimes used at Christmas time or other times, came out on stage, crikeys, that's a big donkey. And then he popped his head off and it was Mr. Wade. And the kids love Mr. Wade. Now, I had asked him, of course, ahead of time to, to be in the skit, and I put the, uh, I decided I'm going to put the costume in his office ahead of time, so it'll be in there when he comes in. And I thought, I'm not just going to put it in his office, and so I did this. So when Wade came in early that morning, there sitting at his desk, was a donkey. And he came in the door, opened it, set his stuff down, didn't see it. If you've been and you've seen Wade's office, it's not that big. 
And then finally, he looked up, and my wife was here because she comes in and does little blessings early that morning, and heard him yelp. I, little did I know what I had begun. Wade said, let's put it in Amber's office. And so we did. And then Amber said, let's put it in Tammy's office. And so we did. And on and on, that's been going on, that staff members have been donkeyed. And you never know when it's going to happen or where it's going to happen or how the donkey's going to be set up. I've been donkeyed now twice. Wade got me something good. He's got to tell you that story. It's awesome. The donkey even ended up in Liz Vesta, the financial secretary's office, on the day of the financial committee meeting. The donkey joined the meeting. There's our newest member of the finance committee. Your money is being uh, guided along by a donkey. It's in good hands. But this has been just something that has kind of brought us together uh, as staff as we just have this interaction, this fellowship, this time with one another. It serves a purpose. It says the early disciples broke bread together. And when it says that, they broke bread together, it means they actually shared a meal. They'd get together in one another's homes and have a meal together with one another. Who doesn't like a good meal, right? But during that meal, they would also remember their Lord. Because Jesus was gathered together with his disciples in that last meal that he shared, when he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them, and said, this is my body. Whenever you eat of this, do so in remembrance of me. The same with the cup. And so in the early church, they would get together in one another's homes, and they would share a meal together. But then as a part of that, they would remember their Lord. And remember his teaching. And remember the grace and forgiveness that he showed them through the breaking of his body and the pouring out of his blood. We still do that today. As we gather together, we join together around our Lord's table and we break bread together. We have the cup and share the cup together. Doing the same thing, remembering our Lord, remembering his grace and forgiveness in our life, being together in community with one another. There's a certain power, isn't there? There's a certain sacredness to those times when we gather together to share a meal. I mean, you know it from times of gathering together with family when you actually sit down and you, you actually get a chance to connect with one another or being together uh, with extended family. Those aren't just times to fill your bellies, but they're times to fill your hearts and your souls as well. then it goes on to say, verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. 
this part can make us a little nervous, right? Like, what's going on here? Is this a commune of some sort? I mean, what was going on here? Could that really be what we're supposed to be today? I mean, sell what we have and, and have everything in common? I mean, I kind of like my stuff. I like my space. I think the, the message for us here in what they did, because the disciples in the early church had a, a devotion to one another where they would, they would care for one another. They would, if they knew of a need that another person had, they would help to, to meet that. They would surround that person in a way that said, we're, we're a community together. So I think that the message for us today is we don't have to like live in a commune together. Uh, I don't know if that would be very practical, nor would I, th I think most of you would go scattering if, if we said, yeah, we're going to just all live here at the church and share everything. You'd think, think we'd gone crazy. But I think what the message for us can be is to live with open hands. To not hold so tightly onto the things that we have. Because then we'll be open to say, you know, so-and-so could maybe use this. Or I've been blessed in so many ways. Maybe I can share something with somebody else. And to be at the ready to do that, to have that sense that what I have, I have is a blessing from God. And because of that, I want to I share from that blessing with others who might be in need. We have ways that we do that. Many of you do that through your time. To, to not say, this is m just my time. We need to protect some of that. But to share some of your time with others. I mean, I hear of people getting together for, for coffee and sharing with one another. I've had people drop what they were doing to go and, and help somebody who was in a time of crisis. I know so very well what people do when, when they'll go up to the hospital and, and meet you. When, when they'll do whatever it takes to see that you're surrounded by love, that you're cared for, and that your needs are met. We have a family assistance fund that uh, we have the opportunity to give to. There's been tags on the Advent Christmas tree out there to uh, help to, to give to that. And we are able, when we find a member is like struggling to stay in their uh, apartment or stay in their house or, or to have gas money or put food on the table, that we can say, hey, we've, we've got members that want to surround you and, and care for you and help you through that. We have tags on that same tree that we, uh, 60 of those, that go almost immediately for uh, foster kids, kids in the foster care program through Lutheran Social Services of Illinois. One of our members works at, for LSSI and is uh, connected to their foster care program and brought this to our attention. We've now been doing it for several years. And you guys are so generous to buy uh, these gifts. And some of the gift ideas are like, whoa, dude, like, let's, 
take it back a few notches. Like game systems and a bicycle. I mean, somebody bought an actual bicycle for somebody a few years ago. Okay, let's, you know, that's cool. But, you know, you don't need everything on that list. But you are so generous to give to these kids that are in foster care. And so we're helping and extending that care, that love, outside of our walls. Next weekend, we're going to have the Super Bowl of Caring. And there'll be kids out at the gathering area uh, to invite you to uh, put your donations in a soup pot. Um, we took the spoons away from them so they can't bang on the pots and pans uh, like they did a couple years ago. Uh, but they're going to be cheering you on and uh, inviting you to give. The financial donations will go to Feed the Need, uh, but we also invite you to bring uh, non-perishable items. And that will go to our local partner, Lowe's and Fishes, who we work with pretty regularly uh, with gathering not only non-perishables, but working with uh, their other enrichment, their, their sustainability programs. Feed the Need. So many of you pack meals at Feed the Need and at other times with, with Feed My Starving Children. And that way we're extending, we're gathering together for this fun event, but this event where we pack this much-needed food together as a community. We're gathering together with other Christian communities who are also part of the greater Christian community. And we're extending that hand and that love of Christ to people throughout the world who become the wider community. And so this is a, an awesome event to experience that community in action. As we packed 1.3 million meals, 1,000 volunteers per shift, there at the uh, Resurrect Center at North Central College. It's an awesome event. And it's a great activity to do on your own or with your own family or small group as well. So I encourage you to participate in that. The focus of the early church is still present in the church today. Fellowship, breaking of the bread, prayers, providing for one another. Bonhoeffer writes... Christian brotherhood is not an ideal which we must realize. It is rather a reality created by God in Christ in which we may participate. It is the gift of Christian community. Not of our own doing, but it is something created by God in which we may participate. It is not founded upon a wish dream or an ideal or even a passage of Scripture. It is founded upon Jesus Christ. He binds us together, shows us His grace and mercy, and invites us into His love. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the foundation, the cornerstone of our community together. Lord, we know, we recognize so fully well that we are imperfect people and that we are an imperfect community. But Lord, help us to be a genuine community. Help us to love and to care for one another in the way that you have shown us. 
Lord, help us to continue to grow together, to learn from your teaching. Lord, help us to care for one another and to pray for one another and to provide for one another's needs. Lord, as a community, may we not only care for one another, but may that care extend beyond these walls to the wider community of this world. That your love may be known and made known through us. I pray in your name. Amen.